Hi guys, this is Doug, and you're listening to What's the Hazard. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Fallowich Construction Services, Custom Concrete Specialists, WorkSafe Consulting, the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, and our latest sponsor, Make You Safe. Thank you one and all for your support. I sincerely appreciate it. Now let's get to today's episode. It is Friday, uh, January 27th here in Omaha, Nebraska. Another cold morning. Uh, forecast is for cold for a few days and uh, then some more cold. So right where we expect to be in January. Uh, this morning I had two guests lined up, two really interesting, uh, successful safety directors, uh, and both of them have other commitments this morning. Uh, this is the life we've chosen, and it's a very – You have to be very flexible to be a safety person, and I find myself in that situation frequently. It used to be that way with OSHA. I can remember with OSHA, we used to get so frustrated that we would make a plan for the week, get all of our arrangements made, make some hotel arrangements, whatever that might entail, set out for our first assignment, get the phone call saying that plans have changed, you're going somewhere else, you're doing something else. I I think we all have learned, if we've been doing this for a while, that Planning is nice, but things happen and things change. So to the two guests that had to both, you know, make apologies and bow out, I completely understand, and uh, we'll do it again some other time. Uh, there is one thing I was hoping to talk about this morning. Um, even, if we had the, even if we had the guest present, I would love to get their feedback on this. But I, I had participated in an OSHA informal conference yesterday with one of my clients, and I'm not going to name a name of the client or even the area office. It was not the area office that I'm affiliated with. It's, it was another state, another jurisdiction. They had had an inspection a while back and had received a citation. And interestingly, um, one of the things that I do oftentimes is help folks navigate the OSHA system, prepare for things like informal conferences, and uh, so we had talked at great length about the citation, about the issue. Uh, in fact, we'd gone to the facility and looked at the uh, environment where the citation was written and talked in pretty great detail about that, did a lot of research and things like that. So uh, I don't typically participate in informal conferences, but yesterday I was asked to sit in and just, you know, listen, contribute uh, if there was an opportunity to do that or a need to do that. And so... I have to admit that um, the informal conference went very well. Um, We were speaking with the assistant area director of this given jurisdiction of this area office. He was very um, reasonable. I thought he conducted a nice informal conference. Back in the day when I was doing these, um, man, they, they could be all over the board. And so, and certainly the tenor of the informal conference is typically dictated by the employer. And, you know, how they come in and present their information, their arguments. So let's, so I want to talk about a li- little bit about this process. So as you probably know, if you have an OSHA inspection, there is a possibility that you could re- receive citations and penalties, okay? There are citations and the, the penalty amounts may be associated with the given citations. And so once you receive these, once you've received these in the mail or via email, however they come to you, Uh, the clock starts ticking. You have 15 working days from the time of receipt to make a decision as to the outcome of these citations. So the options are 
you can certainly just accept the citations, pay the penalties, make the corrective actions that are expected, and move on. Option number one. Uh, option number two is a relatively new option. It, it existed when I was with OSHA, but it's relatively new. It's called an expedited informal settlement agreement. And under certain circumstances, based on the nature of the citations and the company's history, things like that, um, the, the agency can offer you this ESA, this expedited settlement opportunity. And typically with that, there is an automatic penalty reduction somewhere between maybe 30 and 50%. And if you agree to accept the citation, make the corrective actions, pay the penalty, they will give you a reduction in penalty. And to many employers, this penalty reduction is really what they are hoping for in the first place, and so they accept the ESA. Third option is uh, an informal conference. And the informal conference, and I think there are numerous opportunities when the informal conference is appropriate, but not always. Um, the informal conference is an opportunity, and again, within that 15 working day period, to come in, sit down with a representative of the area office, and discuss your citations. It's, you know, as, as, you, as they, you know, proclaim, it's a very informal setting. It's just whoever you bring on behalf of the company, and typically an assistant area director, or perhaps even the area director in some offices, and you sit down at the table and you talk about the citations, it typically goes something like this. The assistant area director, when I was doing these, there are a few things that procedurally you just go through. You know, you talk about certain things, about representation, about posting. And then, and then oftentimes we would simply turn it over to the employer and say, what is it you're looking for? Why are you here? And at that point, the employer has an opportunity to make their case, make their argument. And, you know, and so the point I'm trying to make is <clears throat> you need to be prepared for this opportunity. People used to come into informals and then just immediately get emotional and start screaming and bad-mouthing me or the agency or whatever. And that, that is a relatively ineffective strategy, okay? Usually, once things get emotional, the OSHA representative either tunes out or just you know, calls it quits. Okay, we're done. I think we're done here. This is about as far as this negotiation is going to go. And it's over. And then your opportunity at that point becomes either accept the citations as written or file a letter of contest and request your day in court, you know, and an opportunity to argue uh, the merits or the issues with the citations in front of an administrative law judge. So uh, the other option I saw oftentimes was people just coming in and just throwing themselves on the mercy of the assistant area director or the OSHA representative. And that's not really a great strategy either. I appreciate that maybe you can't afford these penalties or I appreciate that, you know, I, we're really into safety. We just don't happen to do it when OSHA's on site. I, I get all those things. But, you know, that's not a very good strategy either. So the real strategy and the only times I've ever seen this effective are when the employer researches and develops cogent, um, understandable arguments. And so my recommendation oftentimes is, you know, look at the citations critically. Which ones do you have concerns about? And if you have multiple citations or even just one citation, put together a package. You know, back in the day, this used to be like a notebook with dividers, you know, citation one, item one. 
And behind that, I would have a copy of the citation, and then I would have a copy of, of information related to my argument. Maybe I've done some research. Maybe I've found some OSHA letters of interpretation. Maybe I've looked at a compliance directive. Maybe I've gone out into the internet and done some research on different uh, potential abatement strategies. But a coherent argument um, about either the validity of the citation, uh, the nature of the citation, the corrective actions that are possibly available, the penalty amounts, the abatement dates, all of those things can be negotiated. But if you haven't prepared for that, the likelihood of a good outcome is very low, okay? So when I was sitting across the table, for example, I'll give you an example. My buddy Randy Stevenson, uh, my attorney friend from Baird Home, usually, well, he usually won the informal conferences, in my opinion. He would always come in well-prepared, and he would present information that he had found during his research. Um, and that was always very persuasive, and, and Randy was always very calm, you know, Never any shouting, never any emotion enter into it. You know, this is what we believe to be true, or this is what the supportive information we want to present to you. We want you to consider it, okay? And so uh, this is really important. When, when OSHA issues a citation, there is a specific burden that they have to meet in order for this citation to be legally sufficient. I call it prima facie. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation, but they have to develop and provide prima facie evidence to support the citation so there has to be they have to find a hazard in the workplace there has to be a standard that addresses that hazard a regulation there has to be employee exposure beyond just hypothetical exposure you know either through operational necessity or even inadvertence an employee has a reasonably foreseeable exposure to this hazard and then the fourth criteria is employer knowledge the employer either knew of the hazard or, had they been reasonably diligent, should have known of that hazard. Okay, and that's not always met. That particular burden, that element is not always met uh, in my experience. But that is what OSHA has to prove in order to make the citation legally sufficient. On the other hand, the employer has opportunities referred to as affirmative defenses that they can make against the receipt of a citation. For example, employee misconduct, very common one. The employer has a certain burden that they have to meet, and if they have met that burden, they can demonstrate that they have met that burden. They should not be subject to citation. They have done their due diligence, in essence, okay? Well, one of the things that we discussed yesterday in this informal conference was feasibility and greater hazard. These are two additional affirmative defenses that are available to employers. And in this case, the conventional approach to solving these problems seemed infeasible to this employer. And so, again, we did a great deal of research. We brought in some uh, subject matter experts. We looked at the conventional approaches to addressing these hazards, and we believed them to be infeasible based on the circumstances and the environment of this employer's workplace. So we made that argument. And again, not emotionally, we just, you know, well, we believe, you know, here is an option. We believe this is why this is not a viable option. We went through a number of options, the traditional options that would have been available to abate this hazard, and discussed those. 
We also talked about greater hazards. Some of the potential corrective actions could have actually made the situation worse, in our opinion. And so we presented those, again, in a very unemotional, unemotional, coherent manner. And so then the representative of the OSHA office asked some questions. Well, what about this? I'm not sure I understand why you believe this to be infeasible. We discussed it in more detail. And interestingly, we made some other uh, some other suggestions for abatement that might be less conventional. And to his credit, the gentleman from the area office was willing to listen to those and entertain those. And I think at the end of that discussion, we arrived at an agreement that the company was comfortable with and the area office was comfortable with. So at that point, you know, we agree. We set, we set a new abatement date. Okay, we think we can have this in place by this date. Um, we didn't change the penalty, as is often the case. At least when I was a, an assistant area director and the area director, the acting area director in Omaha, we had certain parameters that we were allowed to negotiate. And based on listening to this particular individual, the area office representative, it sounded like he was under the same restrictions, the same parameters from, for a negotiation that, that I was back in the day. And that is, as an assistant area director, I was allowed to negotiate the citation, so the validity or classification of the citation, or the money, but not both, typically, okay? So if the employer wanted to reclassify the citation, maybe it was willful and they wanted it to be serious, or maybe it was serious, they wanted it to be other than serious, or unclassified even as a potential option. That was something that would be subject to negotiation. But if that was the route, that was what the employer felt was most important to them, then getting a reduction on the penalty was oftentimes taken off the table, or vice versa. And so, as the assistant area director, if I wanted to go beyond that, I would have to get the permission of the area director. If the area director is the one doing the negotiation, they have certain parameters that they have to that they can use in the negotiation, but to go beyond those, they typically have to get the permission of someone from the regional office, the regional administrator, deputy regional administrator, whichever. So, Going in, you know there are certain things oftentimes that can be negotiated, and it's advisable probably to include that in your strategy. So to this particular employer, the, the issue, the citation, and the corrective actions was most important. I would, I would really emphasize when you are negotiating with OSHA that you consider the ramifications of the corrective actions you agree to. What is this going to entail? Is it an easy fix? You know, I take a bad extension cord out of service, destroy it, and I do some additional training on inspecting extension cords? Okay, maybe I can live with that. But is this going to mean, like, reconfiguring the entire uh, infrastructure of my plant because there's a valve that hangs down into an egress route? that's below six feet, eight inches, or whatever the standard requires, and they said, you need to move that, and that's going to require about $150 million of capital improvement in order to change that, and I have 12 locations, and they're all built the same way, so I think it is really critical that when you are discussing corrective actions, 
you consider the potential impact of that corrective action to the company. You know, don't agree to something just in order to resolve this that is going to end up being a, uh, an extreme hardship on the organization. So the other thing that often enters into this is uh, what we used to refer to as um, enhanced settlement provisions, okay? So it may not pertain specifically to the citation or the corrective action, the penalty, but in order to reach an agreement with the area office, when I was, you know, Bonita Winningham was my area director, when I was an assistant area director, we liked these um, enhanced settlement provisions. That might be something like, um, we are going to send all of our supervisors through an OSHA 10-hour class, okay? It's not the actual abatement for the issue. The issue may have been a machine guarding or a fall protection issue, whatever the case might be. But this enhanced provision will certainly, um, or at least has the potential to improve safety and health knowledge and practices in our facility. So oftentimes we would make those suggestions. Okay, well, if you agree to do this, then we will agree to make these modifications to the citations as written. And so enhanced provisions are something that can be offered and also negotiated. The one thing I think that is really critical um, in, in my opinion, at this point, at, you know, nine years out from OSHA is, you know, are these corrective actions or are these enhanced provisions actually going to improve safety and health knowledge and or practices in my, in my company and my facility, or is it just window dressing? You know, I, I don't want to do a bunch of things that probably won't add any value you know, it's just like some of the, even some of the abatement strategies. Oh, wait, I can correct this, but is it going to make it safer? Does this make it safer? Um, you know, sometimes we just have to settle for the sake of settling. We're not interested in contesting. We're not interested in going to court and everything that goes with that. But just be cautious about that. When you prepare your settlement strategy, be sure that you are considering whether or not the things that you are offering are reasonable uh, and are they improvements? Are they going to make a difference? So, again, I, I just, you know, yesterday kind of changed what I wanted to talk about today and then the fact that, you know, my guests couldn't make it kind of opened the opportunity to discuss this. But OSHA informal conferences are really interesting. They're, they're, it is really um, a unique opportunity um, you know, who attends an informal conference, you know, um, who speaks on behalf of the company. I, I always recommend that don't bring in the guy, the hothead, you know, don't bring that person in. That may be your general manager. That may be your safety person. I don't think that is a great strategy for negotiations, having someone who is a little bit volatile or is likely to get emotional. Be sure that that person is not present. People ask me a lot, should I bring in an attorney? And that's a great question. Um, I had the opportunity to sit across from a number of attorneys when I was doing informal conferences, like Randy, for example. Some of them are extremely valuable. Some of them know the regulations and certainly know uh, litigation much better than the OSHA official, and they can be extremely valuable. Um, 
but others that are attorneys but don't necessarily know the nuances of administrative law or OSHA regulatory law can be a hindrance. And I think I think that should be considered when you are assembling your informal conference team, right? So keep that in mind. Um, I, I had people that brought in um, hardware or examples of equipment and things I thought was really interesting. They would do little demonstrations for me with maybe their lockout tagout kits or their procedures or things, things that they thought were relevant to the argument. So preparation, preparation, preparation. I think going into an informal conference, having done your research, having strategized your argument and knowing what it is you want at the end of that conference, what is it you're asking for is really important. And I will say, if you don't ask for it, it's unlikely that the OSHA person is going to offer it to you. So, you know, don't be afraid to ask for a lot as a starting point and then negotiate to something that you can live with, right? Okay. Uh, so that's it. Um, I just, again, I wanted to compliment both parties yesterday. The area office representative did a nice job. I thought it was very reasonable um, and uh, was a good listener. And I thought the... Um, the company representatives did a good job assembling their arguments, deciding who should participate and how they presented their arguments. I thought it went really well, and hopefully everyone arrived at, a, at an outcome that will not only they can live with, but will make things better at the plant, right? Okay, so uh, keep that in mind. What else, what else has been going on? Um, I've been on the road a lot. I've been doing a lot of work on the road. That is always challenge challenging at this stage of my life I don't I don't love being on the road quite as much as I used to when I was a young guy um harder to be you know in a hotel and doing those kind of things um what else we had a really interesting meeting of the uh, Midwest Safety Cooperative recently that's a local group that we have assembled here it's just a networking group but that group has grown significantly since I've had the assistance of uh, Danny, Abby, and Jim. Um, that group is much better orchestrated than when I was doing it by myself. We went down to a Metropolitan Utilities District facility down on Pershing Drive and got a tour of that facility. Basically, it is our water treatment facility, one of the water treatment facilities that provides water, drinking water, to the uh, city of Omaha. Really fascinating. The... Uh, the young lady that is actually the director of operations, um, really knowledgeable, really interesting. Um, I enjoyed that immensely, and we plan to do more of those tours. I think everyone that is in a safety position enjoys seeing how other people approach safety. So if you are in the Omaha area or surrounding areas and want to participate in the Midwest Safety Cooperative, just shoot me an email. Um, if you are outside of that area, it might be worth trying to develop a networking group similar to that in your own area that, that uh, you know, you could take tours of each other's facilities and maybe actually help each other with hazard identification and correction, things like that. So um, I think that's it for today. Um, I had a good week. I hope you had a good week and have a great weekend uh, next week. I am starting a four-part series with my friend Pete Suska. Uh, he is a really 
an interesting, articulate guy, and uh, he's been on the podcast before. He talks a lot about more than just safety, um, you know, the the overall process or operation of a business and how everything is integrated, how it all plays off of each each other, how, you know, how these are not separate and distinct elements. You know, sep- safety is not separate and distinct from quality, from production, um, from HR, from finance. I mean, it's just, you know, the interrelatedness of all of these elements. And so Pete is going to join me uh, next Friday, and we're going to do episode one of that four-part series. I think everybody needs to hear that one. So have a great weekend. Um, If you do have questions, concerns, please email them to me, and we will try to get those on, and I'll ask my guests to address some of those issues. Doug at FletcherSafety.com is my email address. Um, Other than that, um, I hope things are going well. Just stick to what you're doing, um, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. A Huda Media Production.